And good evening, everyone. And as you heard, the Coach McVay Show has a special guest tonight. We welcome Les Snead with DeMarco Farr. I am J.B. Long. The Rams off to Week 5 Thursday night football in Seattle. Before we get there, Les, what were your emotions watching the first loss of 2019 at the Coliseum yesterday? Well, you realize that uh, losing uh, is probably more powerful, more painful, stings longer, feels worse than winning so uh you remember you remember that emotion but like you said the reason i'm here tonight is we got a thursday night game so like every week whether you have an emotional win or uh emotional loss you've got to put it behind you uh that that defines week four doesn't define week five uh, you know, we're certain of what happened week four. We're not certain of what's going to happen uh, week five, but we, we are certain we what we want to have week five. So that's that's part of this business is kind of putting those emotions in the pocket, working through them uh, so that uh, you can be purposeful, impactful, and productive during the week to prepare. You know, it's a long season. It's it's a recipe, if you will. So sprinkle in a little bit of adversity. It could make you better. So I think one of the things that, that stood out to me was when Coach McVay said right after the game, this will not define us. Uh, this could be a blessing. We're going to get better because of this. So sometimes a game like that could actually be beneficial in the long run. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely. But again, the our two thousand whatever. How you're going to find the two thousand nineteen Rams is a accumulation, you know, cumulative of weeks one through seventeen. Like I mentioned before, we we're certain of what happened week one, two, three, and four. Not certain of what's going to happen weeks five through seventeen. But it's up to us uh, to figure out who we're going to be uh, the rest of the way. But I agree. As humans, uh, I always go. Let's say winning ugly, sometimes there's lessons in that. And it's it's similar if you're on a ship and you're thinking that you might could take on water. Uh, so you try to fix uh, what would happen if you do start taking on water. But I do know this, a loss is actually taking on water. Mm-hmm. So as human beings, there is a, a different feeling when you go, uh-oh, wait a minute, the boat's a little bit closer uh, to going under than it was before. So that's the difference probably between, uh, let's call it, learning and correcting uh, in a win and learning and correcting in a loss. You made a fairly nuanced point there along the way about the identity forming of the 2019 Rams, and it reminded me that I think in some ways this group has been victimized by their own success. Uh, I think externally they're being compared to the 2018 Rams and what they achieved on offense, on defense, on special teams, and in the win column. This group, though there is some carryover, is not the 2018 group. And you've said that all along, that you don't get to start from 13 wins. You start from zero all over again. Start from zero, and, and I go, in, in, each, in each week, uh, you know, there is uh, re- some really good m- military philosophers that say uh, when you prepare for battle, the, the enemy has a say. And in the NFL, uh, on a very smaller scale, the opponent does have some say. So our 2019 opponents are different than their 18 opponents and and they as as uh coach arian said after the game a win like yesterday uh can galvanize a team what that means is each each opponent you play is gonna gonna give uh you their best they're gonna do some things different against you and and you become a chance to have a statement win uh that is a compliment uh so uh, it's a good it's a good uh, let's call it phase to be in. But again, you still mm-hmm. you still got to go play the game and and then uh, ultimately win the game. Right hand to God. I mean, I think that's the best I've ever seen Jameis Winston play. 
Anybody? Anybody? The guy was consistent. It was amazing. Like you said, the opponent has a say, and you know he was pretty damn good on game day. You got to give him his credit. Yeah, and you know it's interesting. I, uh, my wife, who spent time in the media business, I, I, I've always, I guess you would call it, not complained because you realize you're you're in the entertainment business, but the way the way the NFL is covered, which is awesome, a little bit superficial, but because. Last weekend, Daniel Jones gets his first win, uh, had a comeback win. But ultimately, you know, Jameis made a couple of throws, and they're they're a field goal away from winning that game. But if you to watch the entire game uh, coming into it, it wasn't just uh, Daniel Jones getting his first win for the Giants. It was also a a talented QB. Uh, we played him our last game in the Dome in St. Louis, and mm-hmm. he probably threw for over 300. But let's call it from from the their opening game this year under a really good coaching staff, Coach Arians, Coach Left, which rest of that group, you've seen a talented QB progress and maybe play his best game uh, against us. So uh, it shouldn't be unexpected if you would have sat down and, and not just – said that last week's game or their pre their game since that San Francisco game was all about Daniel Jones. You're right. I mean, Matt Gay makes a field goal at home against New York, and what we're talking about is Jameis Winston maturing and leading the game-winning hmm. drive. We're probably of- still talking about Daniel Jones. <laughs> a little bit. Right. <laughs> but that's the nature of yeah. uh, this business, New York market, and, and, and the way it goes. But I do think it does take away from, uh, let's call it a lot of plays, maybe 60 times, maybe 180 plays since the San Francisco game that Jameis has played mm-hmm. in and not the the uh, so many, not the, the nine-yard fourth down conversion that Daniel Jones uh, uh, ran in for the win that week. But He's Rams general manager, Les Snead, with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long, the Coach McVay Show presented by In-N-Out. That's what a hamburger is all about. We'll talk about the Rams quarterback a bit later on in this program, but a few more thoughts specifically to week four and the loss against the Bucks. You know, just like the uh, defeat in the Dome last season where you almost got over the crest and you learned something about your ability to fight out of a deficit, I feel like this had a similar vibe yesterday. Did you think when Marcus Peters brought that back into the end zone that they were going to finish that job? I, I did, Here's what I did know. You, wow, we're, we're in it and we got a legitimate chance. It's eight minutes to go. From down three touchdowns. Down three. Now, again, we y'all were there. You were watching. That's one play. Uh, that Jameis probably wishes he had back. What I did know is, okay, Tampa Bay's offense is going right back on the field. And up until that play, and probably up until maybe the second <laughs> their second drive, we had struggled to stop them. Mm-hmm. So I did have in my mind, okay, wait a minute, we're going to have to reverse a trend uh, that has been uh, reoccurring during this game, and that's that's Jameis and their offense being able to convert on third down and move the chains and, and go down and, and get touchdowns and field goals. And subsequently, that's what they did on that drive. So uh, even though we uh, scored the touchdown on a great defensive play by Mark's great run, uh, give him credit for taking that punch at the end. <laughs> Uh, and 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 we're jacked that he was okay and, and will be ready for Seattle. But you did know, okay, you still had to go finish that game off. How is he ready for Seattle after a hit like that? I mean, that was that was a horror show, Les. My goodness, uh, that was uh, you know that was that is a big load too. That is three hundred and thirty pounds uh, on a dead run. Yeah, a dead run. Uh, so again, I think. Uh, 
the tight end from the Colts, Jack Dole, said it best. You know, I really didn't feel it, so I give I give my helmet credit. So I guess, hey, as we've evolved helmet technology, uh, this will be a time to maybe wow. let's all give helmet technology a, a big hand because – Give that man a cigar. Yeah. Wow. Final thought of this segment, and that would be, does the short week, but also the fact that it's a division opponent in the first you'll play in 2019, make it easier to, to make that turn? I mean, it's essentially a three-horse race in the division right now as it shapes up in the West, and your two opponents happen to be next on the schedule. I think uh, because because the loss stings, as we mentioned before, uh, uh, you feel the loss more than you feel the win. So, yes, we're ready to get back on the horse and go play right now. Now, the nice part, right, it, it's early in the season. We don't have as many injuries. So you could be at a phase where you're going, oh, I wish we had more time to get people, people ready to play. Mm-hmm. And it is nice to, to – Play a somewhat familiar opponent that helps in game planning, but I do know that, like us, they sh- they've changed some things from last year, so you, you got to prepare. But we're definitely ready to get back and 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 try to avenge yesterday. Uh, Les Need is in for Sean McVay tonight at Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks with Demarco Farr. I'm JB Long. A deep dive on Jared Goff, his performance for the first quarter of the season, plus behind the scenes of his contract extension as we continue this evening. A Week Five edition of the Coach McVay Show on ESPN LA Seven Ten. You know, over the last four games, I wouldn't say we executed extremely poorly. We just probably didn't execute up to our standard. You know, and, and we did go three and one, and we did win some games and do some good things offensively. But I think yesterday is a perfect example where you know we did execute well on a lot of fronts and did do a lot of good things, but just consistency and doing it for the whole game was not there. And I think that speaks better to what we need to do better: is just be more consistent and be uh, you know more fo- focused, playing and play out. And it starts with me, and it starts with just every play, every day in practice, just being better and. Um, um, just continue to raise that standard and raise our level of play. That was Jared Goff earlier this evening addressing the assembled media. We continue with DeMarco Farr and the general manager of your Los Angeles Rams, Les Snead. I'm J.B. Long. So that was Jared evaluating the first quarter of his 2019 season. How would you evaluate your quarterback's performance at this stage? I think I think he 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 said it uh, very well. You know, we've, we've had moments where we've executed very well. Uh, made really good plays, and then there's moments that we haven't. What I, what, if any insight, what I give the offense, what I give Jared credit for, right? You're adjusting to a new center, uh, and now you're 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 actually uh, living through it, which is is an adjustment. Uh, Brian's different than than John, so that's that's a nice evolution and process. Uh, I know each week because we get the opponents best there. You know, there there have been times that they're doing things differently than what they've shown uh, their normal tendencies to be. So uh, you got to go through a few series uh, to kind of figure out maybe what they're doing, and how you attack it, uh, and, and that's probably uh, that that has some uh, calls for some of the the slow starts. Even though uh, that's insight, I know Sean will call that an excuse. He never would, but. Uh, that's that does go on. So I, I give I give everybody credit for uh, adjusting to to probably our new reality during the 2019 season. And then I think uh, as we go through, forward, as we say, weeks five through 17, we will get more comfortable working together. You know, with with uh, new faces on the offensive line, with uh, <clears throat> the way defenses are attacking us, and, and things you're going to have to adjust to. So, uh, but you know what's interesting as you watch that tape yesterday, and I give I give the offensive line and Jared credit when it, when it did get to, let's call it eleven point, eighteen points, twenty one point, 
leads, and we knew we had to throw the ball to come back. And they they they're a very aggressive blitzing team. So there was a lot coming at that bunch, the offensive line and Jared, and and they they uh, you know for many drives there in a row were able to connect and move the ball and, and score a lot of points under a, a, a lot of duress. It, it could have been a game where maybe Shaq Barrett and their DL uh, continued to accumulate a lot of sacks, but it, but instead uh, uh, our group fought and got the ball out and, and made plays. Yeah, not, not to make excuses like you said, 68 pass attempts and only sacked twice. That's pretty damn good. And like you said, when you grow, you have to cross off a bunch of firsts. So everything new is going to be learning. You're going to get better. But I think we all agree football is life. Um, first and 20, that's tough to overcome. I don't care who you have at quarterback. When, when you're hurting yourselves with these pre-snap penalties and you you drop yourself to you know first and 20, second and 15, hard to dig yourself out of that, especially when they got a lead. Yes, it's, I mean, that's a, a very tough hole. Put your, you know... It, it makes your, uh, like I said, you're just less efficient. You you got to drop back and, and throw it. But th- I give I give them credit. I think Jared and Sean, everyone said it best. Uh, uh, you know what? We're you know we're uh, I don't know if it's excited, glad, uh, but we're we're okay with being three and one right now. Mm-hmm. But we're well aware that uh, on all phases. Uh, we've got to learn and then apply and, and continue to evolve and, and execute better and, and 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 get stronger. Well, uh, just uh, from your perspective, you scouted, drafted, you know, you're developing all these guys. When you see veteran guys make mistakes, uncharacteristic mistakes, how does that make you feel? Or, or what do you think when you see guys that don't normally false start or hold or forget holes just false start make those type of penalties in games what's the first thing you think about well you i always kind of look at it from a holistic approach uh because usually if there's a veteran who's been consistent and then maybe uh has had a couple plays uh that you'd put in the inconsistent matter right so we've been you know we've we were uh we had some false starts yesterday. So again, you could get back to, okay, uh, adjusting to a new center. Is, is, is that an issue? All of those things you gotta, you can't just look at as one person being maybe unfocused that day. Uh, but we did, we have been making some uncharacteristic, uh, let's call it pre-snap penalties that, that we haven't done that really put us in a bind, especially early in yesterday's game. So those are things you got to go to the drawing board and look at and, and try to figure out the why. You're listening to the Coach McVay Show. Les Need in for Sean tonight as the Rams face a short week going to Seattle for Week 5 with a Super Bowl champion, DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long, live from the Rams facility in Thousand Oaks. We kind of landed on the offensive line a little bit there, so why don't we dig deeper into that. Is it fair to say that's a group you would continue to evaluate internally and externally in the next month or so while you can to try and fortify what's in front of Jared Goff? Well, I think the here's, here's what... Uh, the the reality is is we we let's just say I mean and Brian Allen and, and Joe Nopoon has had a successful season to date but they will you would think if we continue to progress like we uh, plan on that they the more experience they get the better they're going to get uh, with all nuances that's not just making uh, blocks or, or or let's call it making adjustments adjustments when things go from uh, black or white to gray. Uh, that usually occurs the more reps you get the more experience you get uh uh i think uh i've heard andrew whitworth say it and i'm probably going to misquote he says hey ultimately when you when you're young you 
and you get your first start, you got to learn how to play. Then eventually you learn how to play good, hmm. and and then eventually you get to a stage uh, maybe where he's been the past few years where you play good, but you also help uh, the younger ones uh, uh, learn how to get to play good. So I think in in all position groups when you're when you're putting together the architecture of a team. Just eighteen's different than nineteen. You're going to have some youth at places and some experience at, at places, and and the goals to 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 let's call it get the youth up to speed as quickly as possible. What I'm hearing a bit there is that internally there still seems to be some trust in the pieces who are here, and that through Sean McVay and Aaron Cromer's leadership, the players that they are now will not be the same as they will be in October and November and hopefully into January. You, you definitely, that's always the case. And, 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 and let's take the, let's call it that. Those are, uh, let, those are looking at each individual piece. And I do think we've heard it said, right, from the holistic part, the unit, you definitely want to be playing your best football, uh, you know, let's call it come November, December, in the January, you know, as a unit, not just the uh, the pieces that make up the unit. Well, continuity, especially with the offensive line, we know is certainly the key to 2017 and 18 within that group of five. Uh, this year, they've gone through some changes personnel-wise and already an early injury to Austin Blythe. Great to have him back in the lineup on Sunday against Tampa Bay. Still to come, we'll get Sean uh, Les Snead's thoughts on the Sean McVay show on uh, his rookie class, including Taylor Rapp, uh, the latest on his injury and how the first-year safety has contributed to a loaded position group. That's as we continue tonight on the Coach McVay show, live from Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA 710. It feels like a long time ago. I don't, I, I don't know why, but you know, I think you know. Obviously, we've been through a lot. You know, came here through OTAs, mm-hmm. had a little like summer break, uh, five weeks off before training camp. Uh, went through training camp, went through the preseason, and now we went through the first four games of the regular season. So, I mean, it, it feels like a century ago, but at the same time, it kind of feels like uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, like yesterday. That was Taylor Rapp earlier today on the Rams Revealed podcast uh, discussing the phone call he received from Les Snead, which originated from this room, making him the top pick for the Rams in the class of 2019. We'll talk about some of the rookies and their contributions to the first quarter of the season. Here with Les Snead filling in for Sean McVay with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. Uh, sounds like good news on the injury front for Taylor Rapp. We'll see whether or not Thursday is uh, within his range, but it could have been a whole lot worse. Uh, how about his early contributions? When you made that phone call, did you envision him stepping into that dime linebacker role and impacting games the way that he has defensively so far? You know, of, of all the uh, the players we called that day, you could have said we were sure that he could step in and do what he's doing now than any, uh, you know, based on who he is, how he plays, how he approaches the game. Uh, behind the scenes but I, I think I've heard <laughs> Wade said said it best right in his in Wade's uh, uncanny wit right that he's got the perfect last name rap because he does I mean he's a clinic tape in terms of rap tackling and so a lot of what he did at Washington up near the line of scrimmage how they used him because he could be more dangerous more effective more impactful uh, for them there he's he's doing for us in, in some of our dime nickel nickel packages and and 
and you know has a short area quickness to you know to cover some people in the slot. So he what he did at Washington and how he looked there, he looked very similar here. Like like all rookies, you know, the more reps, more experience he gets, the more things he sees uh, because it's a little bit more complicated at this level than that level, the the better he's going to get. Uh, just someday, I wonder if you have all three safeties on the field. Like he never leaves the field. Instead of nickel packages, he's out there as base defense. And then if they go 11, he stays on the field. Is that where we're headed with guys like him, with Taylor Rapp? I definitely think so. Uh, obviously, as the game spreads out a little more. Again, we're playing Seattle this week, right? All of a sudden, it gets a little more condensed. So probably depends on the opponent. But as the game spreads out, a safety, and we have a lot of them, and maybe all of them, whether it's John Johnson, Eric Weddle, Taylor Rapp, uh, you know, and Marquee, I mean, they can come in and, and not, let's call it be an Achilles, not be a weakness up near the line of scrimmage in the run game, but actually, you know, actually a strength. So uh, I think you you got to be you got to be versatile to be able to do it because you certainly can't be up there and, and be a bullseye to let's now attack that person in the run game. Uh, we'll circle back to the tailback, Daryl Henderson, in a moment. But since we're talking Huskies, since we're going to Seattle this week, let's talk about the other UW great Greg Gaines. Uh, seems to be right on the cusp of like that active-inactive roster, the 46 on game day. Where is he at in his progression through his rookie season? I, I think he, he uh, through the preseason, looked very similar to what he did uh, at Washington and at what he did at the Senior Bowl against a, a lot of offensive linemen who who ultimately got drafted in the, in the first round, uh, you know, and that was at the Senior Bowl. Now, you know, and he's actually been active one game and and has played. But again, we're a veteran team with maturity, so uh, a, a guy that we drafted last year. I always say the sophomore class is is kind of the unfor you know kind of the forgotten class in that maybe they hadn't played like Sebastian Joseph. But they're not sexy like your latest draft picks, so they're kind of they're kind of the forgotten class. And 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 Sebastian has you know through OTAs and 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 training camp to earn a spot in that rotation and and has played well. Again, like all our young guys, more more reps and experience he gets, the more he sees, the better he's going to get. Got a sack. Yeah, I got a sack this week. Got Big strong dude. Yeah, Big strong guy. Yeah. A little bit of a tackle for loss, but uh, you know, Sebastian was a. Uh, a, a let's call it at Rutgers uh, struggling program, but when you watched the film, you knew this was a big, long, athletic uh, person. And and then when he went and did wasn't invited to the combine, went and did his pro day. Uh, again, uh, we were talking at the break. We call it the non-football. Some people call it the underwear Olympics. This wasn't even at Indy. This was as at, at his pro day. But some of his short shuttle drills and things like that, they they measured up there with some really really good players. And I think the the sack demonstrated some of that where he went upfield, changed direction, and was able to accelerate to to chase Jameis down from behind. So should have two, yeah. If he didn't get the face mask, yeah, should have two sacks. Oh, on Teddy, yeah, no doubt, right? <laughs> uh, see, there's youth, right? You had to learn to rap and not grab the face mask. Absolutely, but yeah. The Coach McVay Show presented by In and Out. That's what a hamburger is all about. And Les Need, nice enough to sit in for Sean McVay with us this week as we prepare for a trip to Seattle. Uh, maybe uh, we know where Henderson is at in terms of the depth chart, so maybe that can just lead to a broader conversation about your running back room as it stands. What's your take on Todd Gurley, Malcolm Brown, and with Henderson pr- supporting that group on game day? Well, it's it's, uh, it's it's tough to talk about running backs today after you just threw the ball sixty eight times, True. and especially a day where you were you were all of a sudden down by twenty one in in the first quarter. I don't think any of us predicted that. That's 
that's football, right? Unexpected happens. So it puts you in a situation where uh, you were probably going to have to throw to run. So I do think, uh, you know, here's what I do know what teams are definitely trying to do is they're trying to, and they're doing some things schematically to go, we're going we're gonna to stop your running attack. Uh, uh, you know, they don't want us to be balanced. Uh, you know, so that that we're going to have to try to fix so that we can be a little more efficient overall on, on first down and and end up being, you know, in some second and fives and fours based on first down. And I think that gets the running. Also, I think, uh, you know, when you do connect early in the pass game, it does. it's going to free up some holes. But I, I, if you go back to Todd Gurley's second touchdown run of the day, I do think going forward, especially early in the game where, hey, he got four yards, there wasn't a lot there, and he just went between a crease and said no one's going to get between me and that goal line. I think uh, you know, I think the goal for all of our running back room is, is on some of those first first down runs when we're on the other side of the 50, uh, you're, we're probably going to run very similar to that before we start seeing some creases. Uh, locking down Todd Gurley, it's, uh, they're daring you to throw? Is 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 that kind of what they're doing? Well, I think I think Todd Gurley has been a huge part of the offense. The play action pass has been a huge part of the the offense. You come in and you want to you want to start. I mean, you want to stop something. So mm-hmm. I think because of his success uh, uh, over. I mean, again, coming into the season, right? Uh, since he's been in the league, no no one's gained more yards or scored more touchdowns than him. So in the in the simplified Belichickian. Hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take their their best their best weapon out of the game. Uh, I think uh, that's probably a very simplified approach to someone who, up until this point, basically led the league in 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 distance traveled and led the league in in in, in crossing that goal line with eleven defenders trying to keep you from getting there. We won't be able to go through the whole draft class on this show, of course. But before we break here, what about Troy Reader, who has a chance to maybe start in your base uh, if injury dictates this week on a short week? What was it that you liked about him coming? By- by way of Penn State and then Delaware as an undrafted college free agent. Well, I, it, you know, interestingly, because he's unheralded, uh, good athlete, can run. So he started uh, earning his keep here uh, on special teams. And, and, and as we got to the very end, you know, he was a guy that uh, Coach Bone said, you know what, if he's on our team, he's dressing, or I'd love for him to dress, and we got a place for him on, on the core four. So, but as you went through preseason, what you did notice in the box, there is a, there's some processing from a central nervous system that things happen quickly in that box, and and he has a way to process things and sift through some traffic and and, and maybe let's call it fill his gap, uh, make some tackles up near the line of scrimmage versus maybe three to four yards deep. So, uh, I think that that takes physical ability as well as some central nervous. Uh, you know, skills as well. Bryce Hager ahead of him with Micah Kaiser down on injured reserve. Sean McVay saying earlier today that uh, Bryce will be day-to-day game-time decision with a shoulder stinger. All right, still to come, one of uh, our audience's favorite topics, how you spend Stan Kroenke's money. (laughs) And every time you give out a contract extension, how will you fill out a roster in the future and stay under the salary cap? We'll pose a few of those questions when we continue with the Coach McVay Show, live with Les Snead from Cal Luthan and Thousand Oaks on on ESPN LA 710. 
Hope you're having a great Monday night. Thank you for spending part of it with us. J.B. Long, DeMarco Farr, and the general manager of the Los Angeles Rams, Les Snead. A short week off to Seattle, the first NFC West game of 2019 for your 3-1 and Rams. All right, this is one of my, my favorite uh, kind of social media knee-jerk responses anytime. A good thing happens for this organization, which is you extend one of your homegrown talents. And lately, in fact, since last summer, the Rams have agreed to approximately $300 million in guaranteed money to four players, Gurley, Cooks, Donald, and Goff. And there's some consternation, less that you're not going to be able to fill, uh, fill a 46, much less a 53-man roster in 2021 and beyond. Are, are you okay with how this is looking for the future? Well, uh, I w- uh, let's go this. We will be able to fill a 46-man okay. roster. I Wonderful. can promise you that. Might not be able to keep 53 players. Just That's kidding. Now, <laughs> so let's take, let's take uh, the social media approach and go, hey, are, is this a rational take is it impulsive or what have you but the rational side of that is there is an element of truth there right once you make a decision to pay one of your players and our goal is to pay one of our pillars right uh there is an element once you do that there is you're automatically at that point taking some other options off the table that is correct uh you know, from the, from the social media, that's that's a fact because we're in a league that's uh, that is capped, mm-hmm. and uh, that's like any budget, whether it's family budget or NFL budget, right? If you uh, spend more on your car, you may have less for your you know your house. Uh, if you buy a vacation home, uh oh, you might not be able to go out to eat as much. That that's simplified. So so what you do have to do. So now let's let's try to calm uh the fans down is there is not where you got to draft and develop uh similar to to what we did maybe with brian allen and joe noteboom uh you would prefer to draft uh specifically and then develop them and then implement them uh and preferably maybe a year later uh, but some draft picks can, can play early depending on who they are. You're also going to have to supplement, uh, let's call it with veterans like Eric Weddle and Clay Matthews, who may be on uh, third, fourth contracts toward the end, want to be a part or come to a team that has a chance to compete, but maybe, uh, let's call it, their salaries uh, are not, at where they peaked in their second and third contracts, per se, definitely got to do that, and you definitely got to you got to also ensure some positions. It's similar to last year with Rameek Wilson, right? Uh, or, or when we signed Nikhil Roby, uh, guys for whatever reason uh, were you know cut by one of their teams, but does has experience, and and you usually you know get them on on prove it deals. So there's ways you can. Uh, manage this situation i think uh the patriots have done it as good as anyone but you let's call it the the fans are correct when you do decide on paying someone uh it does probably eliminate paying someone else that's just a the fact. pillars as you described them definitely want to uh you know that is the goal to play the pillars i think demarco would appreciate this what we would love to do is when you pay a player especially the magnitude of those guys that you were mentioning that the their teammates in the locker room go oh yeah they they deserve to be paid you not 
hey, what what are they thinking upstairs mm-hmm. per se? You know what I mean? That that's you try to walk through that because, as you know, in the locker room. Uh, whether it's player one through fifty-three, usually the the smarter, aware players. Whether you're sitting there at, hey, I'm the twenty-eighth best player on this team. Usually, you're pretty rational and go, okay, that's that's the second best, you know, or he's in the mm-hmm. in that category. So it's always a goal we're trying to do so that uh, you know we can we can always say we're not collecting talent. We're trying to build a team. It's weird in today's NFL economy. It seems like a fan base. When you get to the point where you have to pay your quarterback, they go, oh, that's it. We're not going to be able to field a competitive team. We're going to have to go light here. We're going to have to go light there. But it seems like there's been enough teams doing this that there might be a good game plan on how to pay this guy, keep your core group, your pillars, and build a good football team at the same time. Oh, no, and I think if we take a step back, right, we could probably – name what we consider the pillar quarterbacks of the league, right? Uh, let's let, first name that came to my mind, Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. He's been paid well for a lot of years. New Orleans Saints have been pretty competitive for a lot of years. So I, I think that would be that would be the debunk of the theory, right? They're, they New Orleans Saints or hey, Pittsburgh Steelers when they have Big Ben uh predominantly uh Green Bay when they've had, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Colts when they've had Peyton Manning. So you, you can the the name, you know, the the list can goes on. Those teams were competitive. They did uh, win championships. Uh, you're probably not winning one every year. Uh, so that can't be the measuring stick of of what success and competitiveness is. Following that train of thought, you believe that Jared Goff can develop into one of those quarterbacks, and I'm wondering if you can take us behind the curtain a little bit this summer. What made this the right time, and from Jared's standpoint and his representatives too, to get this done before the 2019 campaign? Well, I think it it does help you begin to uh, plan for the future like uh, our fans have have been discussing on on social media. As soon as you – as soon as you, let's call it – make that uncertainty a certain uh you know that that helps you moving forward with your other uncertainties uh so to speak so and and again jared with sean in this system uh they've won a lot of games together i'm not you know we definitely use analytics around here but i don't memorize them so i don't know how many games we've won or haven't but i do know this we're you know we got to be top four in wins we're probably top something in offense with those two working together so only uh, as a result of yesterday new, uh, new england nudged back in front of you in terms of games won since sean was high so uh uh as we say with qbs right um again qbs measured stats but measured by wins and then eventually you're going to be measured by championships the the higher up that totem pole uh you get and 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 you know what uh jared's checked a lot of boxes in terms of stats and wins and 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 got us to this. It was a part of helping us get to the Super Bowl as a collective last year. We appreciate Les Need hanging out with us on this Monday night, anticipating a Thursday night football showdown with division rival Seattle. We'll get his take on the state of the Seahawks as we finish up live from Cal Lutheran on ESPN LA 710. All right, glad you're with us. DeMarco JB and Les Sneed. And I've been meaning to ask you this since we left Houston, the final preseason game. And by the end of that weekend, Seattle had acquired Jadavian Clowney and resolved that whole situation that we were living through in Houston at the end of the summer. What was your reaction when you saw that 
talented piece come to a division rival defense? Well, selfishly, you uh, always you wish your your <laughs> let's call it your most bitter uh, opponents, and they happen to live in your division. You know, do not acquire uh, talented players. But that's the selfish emotional. Uh, if I had a Twitter account uh, person in me, but what I do know in the NFL, uh, when you're rational and and sit back and take the emotions out of it, guess what? Uh, good franchises, and they've been good to great. Uh, for a while now, uh, do things like that to get better consistently, mm-hmm. and and I think you give you give that bunch credit for they went on their run where they were NFC champions a couple of years in a row, uh, you know, won a Super Bowl in there, finished runner up one year, and then and then and then somewhat went through a phase of uh, lost it a little bit, but then recovered pretty quickly. Uh, that that just shows you. Uh, you know, let's call it, you know, how good they're run from top to bottom in, in that organization. I, I just I go back to a, a few years ago or I don't know how many, the doubt on Russell Wilson, like, oh, this, is this guy going to be any good? And you watch him now. He just continues to get better playing quarterback. Well, it's interesting, right? You, I, I mean, we play him twice a year. I mean, I think I tell Russell – you know, after every game, you know, if he wants to go do baseball, I'm all for it. Because I think when you play him, you, you, when you feel him and you, you play against him for those 50 to 60 to 70 offensive plays, you know, at any moment, uh, he can do something, uh, with his legs and not necessarily running, but getting out of a, a would be sack, uh, spinning out. And next thing you know, it's a, it's a 60 yard gain. And, and you know what that can do to you. So I think when you when you play that when you play that guy twice a year, what you do know is, and I'm sure, JB, you ruined my night uh, <laughs> because you knew the facts and the stats that we're now second place in terms of cumulative wins here. But I, I Russell Wilson's got to be up there and wins since he's been in the league, and and that's all you can ask the QB. JB, I bet you don't know where Russell ranks. Well, we, Maybe start, we started the night comparing who knows uh, more about less, you or I, and, and we'll have plenty of time after the show <laughs> to resolve that, but I don't want to let you out of here without asking about literature, life, philosophy, whatever you've got going on away from this facility that we always like to tap into and take your recommendations. Any good books, any good podcasts lately that we can... Uh, what is interesting, a day after a loss, I like to listen to any podcast that has nothing to do uh, with football just mm-hmm. to uh, try to ease the sting and pain of a loss. But uh, it, it is interesting during during September, October, I do. It is a time for me, a few days a week, to, to let's call it study some of the, the books that I've read recently uh, and then sit down and try to say, okay, is there anything that I've learned in those books that we can actually apply to the Rams to help us uh, – you know, continue evolve, continue to kind of try to stay a, a step ahead. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, right now, there's a there's a book, Thinking and Bets, by Annie Duke, uh, uh, and that's just about decision making and how to avoid some of the the natural cognitive biases we have when we go to make decisions, so that you can make sounder decisions. Uh, there's a book right now that's very applicable to the last 24 hours called Stillness. Uh, Ryan Holiday, who wrote Ego is the Enemy, Obstacles Away, which is very applicable mm-hmm. to sports as well. 
Uh, but stillness is, is, hey, when there is noise, especially maybe your own noise, your own emotions, uh, to how to find time uh, to be quiet, to actually study, and to, again, the whole goal is to make sound decisions for the Los Angeles Rams. All right, DeMarco, find you some stillness or maybe a non-football podcast for your drive home. Good to see you. And uh, Les, thank you for stopping by. Sorry for ruining your night, but I'm pretty good at that. (laughs) Coming up next, it's Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa getting you set for the NBA season ahead. We will have Thursday night football from Seattle here on the ESPNLA Rams Radio Network.